Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. I'm Lauren Sherman, the writer behind Puck's fashion and beauty memo line sheet. And I'd like to welcome you to my new show, Fashion People. On every episode of Fashion People, I'll be talking to insiders about the stuff we're all whispering between the press releases. From M&A rumors to celebrity stylist dish to the future of legacy media. Be sure to follow and listen to Fashion People, a presentation of Odyssey in partnership with Puck. Available on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Unhappy Hour, the show where we bitch about all the things we love to hate every single week. I'm your host, Matt Bellisai. I'm here in my closet recording far, far away from my producer, Barry Finkel. Hi, Barry. Hey, Matt. All right, coming up on today's episode, we're going to have worse things first, where I shout about the stupidest, most ridiculous, worst news of the week. After that, we're diving deep into back pain. Because, yes, Barry has suffered from back issues for years, but I tweaked my back this week, so now it's important enough to talk about. (laughs) And then we've got actor Tommy Dorfman on the pod. You know Tommy as Ryan on 13 Reasons Why, Bobby on Jane the Virgin. Maybe you saw them when they were a freaking guest judge on RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars. And now Tommy is in a new limited series on Freeform called Love in the Time of Corona, all about, you guessed it, finding love and connection and quarantine. So we got all of that and more. But first, a little check-in on how our quarantines are going. Matt, how is your quarantine going this week? Oh, well, I'm going to get into it in my deep dive today, because guess what? I fucked myself so bad (laughs) this week. Uh, Listen, because I'm a swole, sexy fitness guru, clearly, I was doing a squat this week with with some weights, and I fucked my back right up. No. Just full-blown blew it out. Yeah, I'm now a crumpled mangled shell of the person that I was just a week ago. (laughs) And And yet you're here. The dedication you have to the audience, to this podcast, it is admirable. I'm sitting in my closet, propped up like a marionette. You know when you like... (laughs) Are, you try to you try to like stand up a beanie baby and you have to kind of like shove it up against something so it's right stays make sure upright. that the beans all go to the right place because that they all exactly just want to fall what down my body is like <laughs> <laughs> just leaned up against some stuff i've been on a steady cocktail of weed and advil just hoping for the best anyway i am hopped up and ready to go how are you how is your core <laughs> 
<laughs> Thank you. Um, you know, I'm in a house with central AC, so I'm pretty happy about that. I am currently recording from my parents' closet. Uh, I left a mic stand in the car, so I am sitting on a dog bed, holding a microphone, feeling your crumpled vibes. Uh-oh, in your parents' closet? I, I hope they know you're there and they don't come in and they <laughs> just start doing something with What? <laughs> I'm just saying. I did text them, but not for that reason. Just say, guess what? I'm in your closet. Or you better not come into this bedroom and do anything. No, it's really taking me back because when I was little, I used to do this very cool thing where I would hide in my parents' closet until my dad came home. And then I would pop out and be like, surprise. Um, and one time I didn't pop out and my mom was so freaked out because they couldn't find me. And she called the police. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe I shouldn't have told them and just done like a fun repeat. I That reminds me of, I feel like I realized way too late in life, like when it was time for bed when I was really little, I used to get under the covers but lay like as flat as I could make myself, <laughs> which is not, not that flat, <laughs> but lay under like do the sheets up so it looked like my bed was made and lay there and then my mom would like come into my bedroom and call for me as if I were downstairs <laughs> and I realized way too late in life that like she absolutely knew I was there <laughs> and was just humoring me I was like I absolutely am so flat I'm so skinny she has <laughs> no idea that I'm here oh my god like a blade of grass skinny legend once and always Anyway, so let's get into it, let's do it, let's strap our back braces on and start the show. All right, worst things first, let's talk about the worst news of the week first. Residents of a town in Switzerland were treated to an environmental disaster, <laughs> question mark, when a malfunctioning ventilation system at the local chocolate factory led to fine cocoa powder snowing from the sky. This is my dream. I don't know. They said it was technically harmless, but chocolate kills. Okay, just ask a, a little boy named Augustus Gloop. <laughs> oh, right. You can't because he's dead, drowned in a chocolate river. Whatever. It's a pretty great way to go. I mean, yeah. You think I, I don't want to be sucked up a chocolate penis pump? I do. Okay. And then have some old man who owns a chocolate factory yell at me for contaminating all of his, his product. I would love that. That's my dream right now. But I, I can't because I'm an adult. And I also I didn't win a contest because I haven't been buying that much chocolate. Anyway, the Lint and Sprungly Company. They never say that name. No, <laughs> you only hear of Lint. But just you never Lint here. You never hear of his stepbrother Sprungly. <laughs> I don't actually know who Sprungly is or his <laughs> relation to Lint. Anyway, the Lint and Sprungly Company confirmed local reports that there was a minor defect in the cooling ventilation for a line for roasted cocoa nibs in its factory. And then combined with strong winds, the powder spread around the immediate vicinity, leaving a fine cocoa dusting on a whole bunch of stuff, including a bunch of cars that were seen coated. They offered to pay for any cleaning that, that needed, but nobody has taken them up on it. 
Yeah, because they're all using their damn tongues. Yeah. <laughs> Going lick, lick, lick. This yum, is how yum, I yum. that's how I clean up my cocoa powder. They say <laughs> it's harmless, but every time I use cocoa powder, first of all, it is impossible to even take a teaspoon of cocoa powder without it becoming a sandstorm. Yeah, and it's also essentially anthrax. Like it gets in your lungs. Absolutely. There is no any time that I am working with anything, flour, cocoa powder, salt. It is <laughs> when I scoop like protein powder because yeah, I use protein powder, I use uh collagen powder because I love the ritualistic drinking of animal bones every morning. <laughs> Every time that there is like a little cloud that puffs up, I'm like, okay, th this is how I die. I'm going to breathe in this cloud of chemicals, uh, even if it is delicious, delicious chocolate, and it's going to snuff out my life. Yeah. So there you go. Especially now. It's like I my lungs need to be the strongest they can possibly be. Mm -hmm. I will say this does remind me of the chocolate factory that used to be in Chicago where you'd walk around the city and it would just smell like chocolate everywhere and it'd be amazing. But then other times you'd walk around and it'd be this gorgeous smell of chocolate mixed with like the horrible smells of a city. And it would create this like ultra disgusting BO odor. Uh, I think they closed that factory though. So I don't think it's anymore, but it truly was magical to walk around a city that smelled like chocolate. I still can't believe that a chocolate factory is real. <laughs> it just feels like a, it feels fake. Uh, Wonka did us wrong. Or the chocolate comes from like a plant. A cocoa nib? No, absolutely not. Next! Animal control officials in a residential neighborhood of New Jersey managed to snare a wayward emu. That's what? right. The emu invasion continues. Someone wrote to me and said that I'm saying emu wrong and that it is pronounced emu. I can't. It, that's a, it makes it sound like a Pokemon. And not emu. <laughs> like a cow. <laughs> emu. Okay. I don't give a shit if I'm saying it right or wrong. The point is, these birds are invading our towns and cities. And where are they coming from? Why is there emu in New Jersey? I don't like that with each week that we've had an emu story, it feels like they've gotten closer to us. Exactly. Like it started in Australia and then it was Arizona and now Jersey. Like it's geographically, the next one's going to be Manhattan and it's going to be like blocks away from you. Um, they did. The worst part of this article was, quote, officials were not sure whether the bird had escaped from a farm or was just running out in the wild. What? What does that mean? Why They're is not there... invasive species. <laughs> yeah, this is, the emu is not native to New Jersey. Why would there be one running wild? I'm just saying there's some type of experiment. I think coronavirus is all just a massive conspiracy distraction to take away from the invasion of emus into the United States. They're taking over. They they were getting too visible and they needed a distraction so that we wouldn't notice how their numbers are growing. And so they released a deadly virus. And now here we are. It's and we're working. all going to die because of these giant ass birds. Even though I have come out as not being afraid of these birds. Okay. Because I think they're just big chickens. <laughs> 
I, and I stand by that. Chief Animal Control Officer John DeCando uh, told the media that the emu appeared healthy. He could not determine its age or sex, quote, but I can tell you it needs a bath, end quote. <laughs> okay, let's not shame this giant bird for being stinky. He is a prehistoric creature, John. He doesn't have to meet your, your societal standards for smelling good. Also, it's in New Jersey, so I feel like the standards for what smells good there are way lower. Also, so, all of the bird baths in New Jersey are for tiny little precious little birds. Where is this emu going to find a big enough bird bath? Like, it's not the emu's fault. It's the residents gotta of be, New Jersey. There's got to be a big gaudy fountain somewhere in New Jersey. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I've seen The Sopranos. I feel like they all have fountains. Yeah. Isn't that the entire like first season of The Sopranos is that the all the ducks who live in his p- pool? Yeah. I guess a pool is an emu birdbath. Exactly. Wow. Or if it like Snooky, Snooky found the beach eventually. She did get arrested <laughs> on it, but she found it. <laughs> Former guest complainer Snooky. <laughs> she found it. Uh, anyway, I'm just saying let the emu get drunk with his Guido friends on the beach. And I can say that because I'm Italian trash. And finally, a doctor in Missouri lost his medical license after amputating his friend's toe on his back porch. Okay, like, what else are you supposed to do on a Friday night? (laughs) Like, Uh, there's only so much that we can do in quarantine, okay? Until they open up all of the movie theaters and the the restaurants and bars. Guess what? I'm going to start chopping off my friend's toes. Because there's nothing better to do right now. Anyway, the super creepy doctor, he's a 73-year-old man. He practiced out of an office that was also used as a machine shed. <laughs> I don't entirely know what a machine shed is, but I you don't know, like that You know, a shed where you keep phrase. all your machines. Sure. Just like a, a nice kind of a metal structure leaning against your garage that you keep your tractor in. Mm-hmm. And also the giant scissors that you use to cut off your friend's toes that have gangrene. Um, the doctor told the Associated Press that everything was absolutely perfectly sterile out in the bright sunshine and fresh air. Which is true. I mean, that is why they do all surgeries outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, open heart birth births are always right in the middle of like a dirty forest. Because that's where the air is freshest. Right. The oxygen really helps to clean and then the sun also disinfects. But, I mean, there was a part of me that halfway through this, I was like, well, (laughs) he's got a point. Because he was like, listen, this was my friend. Uh, He was afraid of going to the hospital right now. His toe was infected. He had gangrene. And so he just chopped it off. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So uh, I was like, I mean, I get that. If one of my friends was able to chop my toe off and I needed it. Matt, if you ever need your toe chopped off, just just give me a call. Okay. I expect you to nibble it off with your teeth. (laughs) But I guess according to the patient's medical records, there was no antibiotics that were provided before or after the procedure. There were also a couple of other. He like also prescribes medicines to other people that when he wasn't supposed to. So there is there is a lot of issues here. 
the point is maybe don't chop off your friend's toe unless you're doing it, unless you give them an antibiotic first. I think that is right, the that's lesson. That's the lesson. Yeah. So just give them like a, a what is a cipromyosin? No, I don't know. <laughs> amoxicillin. Ooh, that pink stuff. That was always the best one. The liquid amoxicillin. <laughs> I loved that. Oh, my God. It tasted like a bubblegum milkshake. <laughs> and that's it for this week's Worst Things First. Next, we're diving deep into our back pain. Relatable? No? Deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive. Deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive. dive. All right. So as I said, I absolutely fucked my back up this week. Just being a, a swole bro, you know, just get my lift on. Which is what I do. Love to lift. Live, laugh, lift, as yeah. they say. I'm, I'm getting I'm, I'm swollen flexy, as they say. That is the <laughs> that is the uh, tagline for the stretching app that I use, and I hate it. <laughs> they have merch that says that, and every time I see that phrase, it makes me want to die. <laughs> and yeah, even though I've had back pain before, okay, Barry, you're not the you don't have a monopoly on back pain. Mm. I was also. <laughs> I was talking to my mom today and she was like, well, yeah, now you're getting like a taste of what I've been through. <laughs> she said that out of nowhere. I was like, I, do you think I doubted that you are in pain? I understand. <laughs> I understand what pain is. <laughs> but I still feel the need to dedicate this deep dive to bitching about back pain because I did. I walked to get some starbs before uh, this recording and I caught my reflection in some of the windows on the way. And I absolutely looked like I was carrying a scalpel to Dr. Frankenstein from across our lap. Just fully <laughs> Igor clawing my way through the townspeople on my way to help a mad scientist bring his sex doll to life. Because, yeah, let's be honest here. Dr. Frankenstein was absolutely building himself a boyfriend. Okay? I've been quarantined by myself long enough at this point to understand that that is what he was doing. Sorry to be the one to tell you this, but if if I had a collection of human body parts right now and the means to animate them, guess what? I'd have a fuck monster on my hands. I wouldn't blame you. But I digress. <laughs> so let's get into it. This is Reasons My Back is the Worst. <laughs> Okay, first of all, why do we need our backs to do literally everything? Uh, it's like almost like my spine is the central pillar holding up my entire skeleton. Uh, what is that about? It doesn't even make any sense because, like, there's so much more leg than back, you know? Yeah, evolution. Why the fuck are my legs so long and not my back? We should all be built like, what's that, the bear from uh, the Jungle Book? Baloo. Oh, I was thinking of the the Sims from that weird viral Sims song that happened the no, other week. I have no idea what that. Is. What is more <laughs> relatable, of a Jungle Book or the weird Sims meme that you saw two weeks ago? Write <laughs> <laughs> in, let us know. Like, I get that if you mess up your back, it's going to be hard to do, like, your normal stuff, like lifting a sack of wheat or, like, pushing a wheelbarrow full of coal or, like, saving all of the kids from a burning orphanage. 
all mm-hmm. of that stuff that I like normally do on on a day to day basis. That's my Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, yeah. Thursday. But why does my back hurt every time I blink or turn my head or fart? Yeah, I don't <laughs> want to degrade our classy podcast with fart talk. But guess what? Why do I need my back to fart? <laughs> it shouldn't hurt every time I I let something loose. That's all I'm saying. Controversial opinion. You can write all the letters you want, but I stand by it. Also, every time I see someone on TV now doing something like crazy athletic, like, I don't know, bending over, <laughs> I'm just like, oh my wow, <laughs> wow, must be nice. Oh, I remember being able to do that just days ago, just when I could just bend over. A little bend and yeah, snap. I could bend over. I could just bend right over without it taking a whole system of ropes and pulleys. Now when I drop a piece of food, all the inside out characters that live in my brain have to go through like an entire session of Congress just to decide whether it's worth it to try bending down to pick it up. Bet you really regret keeping your Roomba under the couch, don't you? I absolutely do. But he's stuck there now. That's where he lives. Just like a tiny Roomba (laughs) troll. He lives under the bridge of my couch. And yeah, yeah, you guessed it. My floor is absolutely littered with stuff right now because just like real Congress, all the little decision makers in my head have decided they're going to do nothing. Boom, boom, politics. (laughs) Topical. For real though, bending over is a full 10-step process now. Uh, And here, this is the 10-step process. Step one realize my hands need to be near the ground for some fucking reason most likely because the top half of my bagel sandwich fell off while i was carrying it to the couch (gasps) and now there's like a jackson pollock painting a mayonnaise splattered across my living room floor tragic step two start to bend at the knees step three realize that's a terrible idea as a lightning bolt of pain strikes me from the asshole to the neck step four Start bending at the hip instead, like Reese Witherspoon in Legally Blonde when she's teaching everyone how to seduce a hot UPS driver, even though we should be trying to seduce hot post office workers instead. Ho, ho, ho. Topical again. Okay. I may be a broken husk of what I was last week, but I'd still throw it back for a hot mailman. Okay. Because I'm a patriot. I'd let a hot mailman blow my back out. If you know what I mean. Okay. <laughs> Step five, realize the bend and snap method is equally agonizing. Step six, give up and decide to just fully get on the floor. And that's an important step because it's about bending at the knees while keeping all of your upper torso completely straight, which is in and of itself an entire choreography it's just yeah giving up on feeling absolutely just fully crumpling to the ground step seven fully lie down in the puddle of mayonnaise and tomato juice pooling next to the bagel that you dropped step eight cry step nine decide that i live here now on the ground and if snails can live their entire lives squirming around on the ground and eating crumbs then so can i step 10 Eat my bagel like the hungry, hungry snail that I am now. And that's how I bend over. And I haven't gotten up. This I'm recording this from the floor next to my bagel. <laughs> Let's see. What else? Oh, yeah. Getting out of bed. That is a whole production. Uh, getting out of bed is like watching a giraffe being born. Just limbs <laughs> unfolding at ungodly angles. 
I look like a spider if someone half whacked it with a rolled up magazine before it scurried under the refrigerator. And now everything is just kind of hanging haphazardly. Also, even just being in bed is painful. Like That's the worst. It's like the best place on earth is ruined. Right. Like rolling over to get comfortable is an entire Cirque du Soleil acrobatic performance. Each of my body parts has to move separately and together. Uh, it's a symphony, but also like a train wreck. It takes an entire village just to move from my right side to my left side. And the worst part is after the entire like 15 minute production is over, the right side is just as uncomfortable as the left side. I hate it. And I have to start the whole heckin' thing over again and roll to my other side. Do you ever have you have you been lying on your back with uh, with a pillow under your knees? No, <laughs> that's a very comfy position. Yeah, I have like my I have a body pillow that I basically common law married to. And I have that usually under one or both of my knees. It's probably the cause of all of this in the first place. (laughs) I think part of the like root cause is that I mean, I've talked to my trainer about this, but like your trainer is not a doctor. Right, exactly. (laughs) Sorry. <laughs> he is fully not a doctor. Uh, he's also like, um, yeah, like Googling body parts while we're talking. And I'm like, okay, well, I should actually <laughs> probably talk to an uh, actual professional. But the way that I sleep affects like your, your, like the way that your bones are placed. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, listen, I did like 20 minutes of Google searching. So I think I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Anyway, mm-hmm. finally, Ben Gay. Okay, I don't know who Ben is or how he became a homosexual, but I would like his hot, juicy load all over my sore back so that I can get better. So, thank you so much. So, if you need me, I'll be in my bell tower atop Notre Dame talking to my gargoyle friends and hoping that um, a beautiful gypsy woman comes to fall in love with me. Uh, Spoiler alert, she does not fall in love with him in the end. She goes to the hot guy and he's all alone. (laughs) I don't remember. I actually started watching The Hunchback of Notre Dame before this. (laughs) Really? Oh my God, wait, that's it's truly one of my favorite Disney movies. My friend Eliana and I are obsessed with it. It is so fucked up and should not be shown to children. The mom's neck snaps on the church steps in the first five minutes of that film. You literally watch her <laughs> neck snap and die. I I started it, but I wasn't really paying attention because I was writing. So um, I'm, I might go and watch the rest of it because this is my life okay, now. Go back. Watch the rest of it. Maybe we'll talk about this next week on the pod because I have so many thoughts and feelings. Just keep in mind it's one of the best villain songs of all time. And it's all about like separation of church and state. And it's about lust and it's insane. But also um, not surprised. I, I mean, it. it's based on a Victor Hugo novel, which is also Les Miserables, right. which is like, okay, we love a tragedy. And we love turning that right. tragedy. Should Les Miserables have been a Disney film? I don't know. I don't know. Probably not. Anyway, that's it for this week's Deep Dive. Next, we got Tommy Dorfman on the pod right after this commercial break. Hold up. 
I'm Bobby Finger. And I'm Lindsay Weber. And I want to tell you about a podcast I think you're going to love. Who Weekly is a podcast about everything you need to know about the celebrities you don't. Does celebrity news stress you out? Are there too many people you've literally never heard of? Check out Who Weekly, a podcast hosted by Lindsay Weber and me, Bobby Finger. Each episode goes deep into the biggest Who Liberty stories of the moment. And if you're still confused, we even have a weekly call-in episode where we'll answer the most burning listener queries. Who Weekly airs twice weekly with brand new episodes on Tuesdays and Fridays. Listen and follow Who Weekly on the Odyssey app or wherever else you get your podcasts. My guest complainer is Tommy Dorfman. You know them from 13 Reasons Why, and now you can see them on Freeform's Love in the Time of Corona. Welcome to Unhappy Hour, Tommy. Thank you. I'm unhappy. (laughs) Good, good. It feels like everybody is, so (laughs) it's nice to commiserate in our unhappiness. It seems like you've had like a long, busy day, weeks, months. Yeah, I am not a person who does well sitting still um so i tried to busy myself as much as possible which has been great and i realized it took us a few tries to get here today um <laughs> partly because yeah. i was doing archery today and then yesterday i was fly fishing because that's who i am now wait okay i want to talk about all of that um <laughs> you were literally going doing archery what like can I doing say? bows and arrows. Katniss Everdeen could never. <laughs> I she didn't is know I had shaking. it in me. I mean, what I will it, say... These is, feels like important skills, to be honest. I don't know. Who knows where we're going to be? I was really in character for the end of the world, and I feel like I have a few skills, little tricks in my bag. I'm ready to go. I was like, I was trying... My idea of this Montana getaway fantasy was very... I don't know if you've watched Nicole Kidman's uh, 73 questions. Uh, tragically, not yet. She's just like in a prairie dress, like holding a basket on like a massive property in Australia, but kind of just doing mm-hmm. nothing. Look what I've got! Oh, that is a beautiful egg. And a couple of eggs. Wow, this is this is incredible. <laughs> I thought that was what was going to happen, but what ended up happening was I became like a forest expert who can fly <laughs> fish and... Um, solve crime and uh, spray a bear if I have to with this massive bottle of pepper spray. I've really learned a lot out here. Are you? Uh, we're getting ahead of ourselves because normally, normally I like to ask. I like to start by asking, "What is one thing you hate that everybody else loves?" So why don't we answer that that first? What I what, one thing that I hate that everyone else loves. Or just hate. I mean, it, it really, you know. What do you hate? <laughs> alcohol. Okay. Not into alcohol. Used to be very into alcohol. No longer into alcohol. And now just like the scent of it makes me nauseous. But people seem to love it. Uh, that truly is one thing that people do love. But I suppose, I mean, from personal experience, the past six months, ironically, have not been big drinking months for me. Oh, that's good. Healthy. <laughs> right. But I also know for a lot of people, it feels like, okay, we're quarantined. A lot of shit is going down. That feels like one of those things that if you're going to do it, now is the time to do it. But. I suppose you've taken to to archery and, and other methods for kind of channeling your your energy. Exactly. Yeah. You. I mean, you, I feel like that only gets you so far. 
you you are quarantining in are you're in montana right now is that what you were saying i got here a couple days ago i've been in la the entire time up until this point and then finally i decided that i needed to sort of take a break from los angeles and recharge Mm -hmm. well that's just generally a good idea (laughs) yeah i mean period like i've never been in one place as long as i was in los angeles for obviously safety reasons it was important to do that um but it finally i kind of reached a tipping point and luckily had a couple of friends that i've been quarantining with who are going to montana and i i lost grateful for that okay i was gonna that was my follow-up was going to be why montana i guess you couldn't pick a place more different than la and maybe that's why (laughs) (laughs) get me the fuck out of la i need something that looks like montana yeah it literally i feel like i'm in the sound of music right now like uh, the mountains are incredible it doesn't look real like i feel we keep joking that we're in a simulation (laughs) (laughs) It'll be like these like big deers will just come and get very close to us. And I'm like, you can't be this can't be a real animal. But you mentioned you. So you do you literally have to carry around like a canister of bear spray and be be on the ready for like a bear attack? Uh, Yes, that is the that is the (laughs) suggestion uh, that's been made by experts here. Um, I've I've yet to have to use it. I don't think I will because I'm leaving at least this part of Montana and going to a different part of Montana where there are less bears. That's good. Yeah. Frankly, I try to avoid any situation where a bear spray is necessary. So kudos to you. You're really out there (laughs) in the wilderness. Typically, I would too. But, you know, 2020 is about evolving. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Let's jump into talking about the the show, the new show. So Love in the Time of Corona, it's about, why don't you explain it? It is a ensemble show about a few different couplings of people in the early days of isolation and quarantine, trying to grapple with their new reality what it means for them as friends or as recently separated couple or as a couple with a newborn or an older couple who's unable to see each other for medical reasons. And, you know, I think really speaks to how a lot of us were feeling universally in those first few months, just on a very safe at home level. Right, right. And then who is like, who is your character and and how did you kind of get to um, become a part of it? I was sent an email that was asked if I'd be interested in participating in something like this. And I had a call with Joanna, who's our showrunner and director, and she gave me the rundown. She wanted it to feel sort of like Love Actually. And that's Mm -hmm. one of my favorite movies. And, you know, it felt like, really, I just was excited to work. And the way that we shot this was really innovative. And so that was really enticing to me. And it ended up being a really educational process. So I'm really glad that I said yes. I'm playing a currently out-of-work stylist uh, named Oscar, who lives with their best friend, Elle, who's a struggling singer-songwriter. And they have a platonic, for the most part, codependent very much in love relationship that gets tested during the first few weeks of 
being stuck at home together. Just your classic quarantine story. Just your classic quarantine story. Duh. I mean, I'm sure people will relate. It does feel strange to have a show, like really any TV show, that is so current like this feels like the first show where it's like oh it's this is like what happened last week we literally wrapped it less than a month ago which is insane insane. i don't know if i'm i'm ready to see something that i just went through a month ago but well um, yeah no i mean i totally understand that i think so much has happened since march and this is kind of when it takes place you know like really it takes place in march of this year and it's incredible how quickly we moved and i was attached to do it in april and obviously for health reasons and all those things and building out the cast and finding people who were quarantining together safely to act together whether and so it's a lot of real couples and real it's all real couples real friends and real families at the end of the day mm-hmm. um and then going through all the protocols to actually get the shooting to happen we thought we would be out of this by the time the show came out which was so naive because i had a similar feeling of god is anybody going to want to watch this but in the the reality is it's less about quarantine and isolation and more about relationships and heightened circumstance so i think when you watch it you're not going to necessarily feel the trauma of covid that universal sort of new experience trauma of this unknown disease taking over the world and you're more so going to, I think, get lost in these people and their stories and their relationships and the ways that they grow being forced to spend this much time together. And so it really isn't so much about the pandemic as much as it's about love and interpersonal relationships and independent growth and growth as a couple. Right. Couples, rather. Yeah, I should clarify also. I'm I'm excited to watch it. I'm less concerned about the trauma of uh, seeing a kind of quarantine play out and more excited about the trauma of just being reminded of how uh, alone I am in quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> it's more about the love. You well, know? you'll probably like our storyline because it's, it's two single people who are like on the apps and swiping and trying yeah, to Yeah, and having it. weird first dates over Zoom and having this intense feeling of I waited too long to find a mate. <laughs> that Which is, is so the... heteronormative. <laughs> and yet I relate. <laughs> right. Uh do you feel like you naturally sort of gravitate towards like queer character? I mean this seems like such an obvious question. Is but it? but like <laughs> I would say it took me a minute to actively basically just pursue queer characters because I felt like I had something to prove. And I think a lot of queer actors feel this way where, well, for starters, there's like one queer person role on television a year. So everyone's like fighting tooth and nail, stabbing (laughs) each other in the heart for it. Um, I'm not that kind of... (laughs) participant but you know it's very limited the amount of opportunities we have and so often especially in really good projects queer people aren't deemed financeable so they'll cast a straight person which like great go off whatever um i felt for a long time like i had to like prove something to the studio i mean even my voice gets lower when i talk i'm like i really had to like show them that 
uh, I can I move virtual, <laughs> which I am, right? Like I'm a, I'm a very versatile actor. It's just a matter of getting people to trust you to do that. But at a certain point, I decided that my purpose here was to, at least for now, fight to tell better queer stories. And sometimes that means fighting for queer characters in scripts that I really love, um, working on producing my own stuff, having discussions with showrunners, like on Love in the Time of Corona, where it's written as a gay man and asking, you know, she presented the opportunity to me to make this character non-binary. And I was like, yeah, of course, let's do it. And it's not to just like check diversity boxes right and left. It's simply because I think storytelling has the power to shift and change cultures and open people's minds and hearts up to a variety of different experiences. And why not in this one life that I have, try to do that, try to do some good. So that might mean that I will never be an actor. Right. <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, for, for now, that is kind of the goal. And it's been really nice to really hone in on something and get specific because there's so many different things you could do as an actor. And sometimes finding your niche and your path can be really comforting. Right. I do want to uh, go to some more items on your your list sure. of things that you hate. One of which, to kind of jump off of that, is correcting pronouns and having to um, do this multiple times a day. Being a binary is, again, <laughs> nuts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I imagine. For actually understandable reasons. I'm not going to sit here and tell you like they, them is an easy thing to wrap your head around when you spend your entire life he-sheing. What I will say is people seem to lack, for the most part, any sense of compassion <laughs> when trying to use proper pronouns or they just forget, right? And it's especially hard when it's people who are super close to you. But yeah, I mean, being non-binary is just... It's like you have to come out all day long if you want, if you choose to. And I, for the most part, I'm just too tired or not confident enough or too uncomfortable in a situation to correct people constantly. Um, because mm -hmm. it, it, it shouldn't be on me to have to come out 20 times a day. You know, but I do with no, exactly. some people I remind them and some people I just don't. I'm still trying, even at 28, I'm, I struggle sacrificing other people's comfort for my own safety and comfort, if that makes sense. And then there are trans people or non-binary peers of mine and friends of mine will be like, why aren't you correcting them? And I'm like, fuck you. I don't want to. Like, <laughs> I, that is, again, my choice <laughs> because it's exhausting. And I have a book to read. <laughs> There's the things has to be, have to be done. There are there are arrows to bow and shoot. Precisely. I don't know. I don't know the 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 terminology for um for bow and arrowing, but <laughs> I'm doing my best. Um, tardiness in general was was another one. I can't stand lateness. I think it's so disrespectful, especially if you don't communicate your tardiness. And I'm married to a perpetually chronically late person, which I think is, was God's will for me yeah, that, to I, be tested in this way. I'm like fascinated that, that you, that you managed to agree to marry this person when they were, were late to the wedding. 
<laughs> yeah. It's because I'm so madly codependent and obsessed with him, but don't tell him that. Okay. Uh, but he's the fucking best. This is honestly the only thing that kills me is the lateness. It does feel like a hard thing to bounce back from. And I have never felt panicked than when I've been late to work, which is maybe twice, maybe three times in the last five years. So it, it, it is nauseating to me. I will say as someone who is often late to things, uh, it's not enjoyable for me either. <laughs> it is pre- it is equally panicking. And so then I things. must ask you, because my husband hates being late, but yet continues See? to be late. Yeah. What is the solution then? I don't understand it because I've never been a late person. Yeah. There is a very obvious solution to it. Are you the kind of person when you have a flight, you plan for the best case scenario? Like <laughs> no traffic, minimal security line. Absolutely. You're going to make it. My my husband literally was meeting me in a foreign country <laughs> and <laughs> got to the airport like 20 minutes before our flight. <laughs> because... In his head, he thinks getting from the east side of Los Angeles all the way to LAX, which is on the west side of Los Angeles, which is an hour-plus long drive with normal traffic, is going to happen in 45 minutes. And when he gets there, he will be escorted through security with no problem at all. And it's not going to take a mile to walk to his gate. Right. Yeah. And he's wrong. I've I've learned that the hard way. And I will say that over time I've gotten better. So there we we're moving in the right direction at least. We love growth. Um well, on that note, I I mean I'm I'm glad you, uh, that, that you found love and I hope uh, <laughs> I hope um that everybody watches Love in the Time of Corona and is inspired by their to find love themselves, you know. Yeah, please watch. It's going to be really cute, I promise. I'm excited. And um, yeah, by the time people hear this, it will be out. And besides that, where can people uh, find you and your work? I really am only active on Instagram. And my handle is at Tommy.Dorfman. And I'm there. And if I'm doing anything, you'll probably hear about it there. Yeah. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. And thanks for, um, uh, you know, struggling through through Zoom for us. Thank you for for being patient with me because I'm the one who oh, you know. had to reschedule many times. But it's because I didn't want to be late. <laughs> that is completely fair. All right. We're almost there. We're almost at the end of the show. But first, our chasers. Chasers are the good stuff that helps all the shit go down easier starting with our segment do better white people where we talk about some stuff that we can do to try to make the world a a less shitty place matt what are you highlighting this week what are we talking about i wanted to talk about the census this week have you filled out your census of course i filled out my census not me but i will (laughs) uh i know it's not too late um i think technically we're in like overtime right now But yeah, the census, this is 2020. The census happens once every 10 years. And it is incredibly, incredibly important for the way that money is distributed, for the way representation is distributed. If there has been anything obvious about this past year, (laughs) it's that um, literally like being counted and being seen and how you are represented is important. Yeah. Yeah. Who knew? Who (laughs) knew? 
but yeah, especially, especially, especially if you are a minority or if you live in a minority community, being counted, like historically, minority communities are undercounted in the census, especially undocumented communities, because there is a fear that if you fill out the census, then the, the government has your information and that you could be deported, um, which as far as I know, it's not true. And so a, a lot of minority communities go underrepresented and then are underfunded when it comes to community or state or federal funds being distributed. All, all of those things are distributed based on population numbers, which are figured based on the census. So the point is, fill out your freaking census. It is very fast and very easy to do. Uh, and it is uh, incredibly important in in getting the uh, resources that c- communities need. Yeah, do it. Anyway, uh, let's talk about the TV we've been watching this week. Barry, what have you been watching? I've been watching Lovecraft Country on HBO. Have you have you heard about it? Do you know about it? Did you watch the premiere? I've heard about it. I know it's supposed to be great, but I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. Okay. So for the people uh, who don't know about it, it's based on a novel uh, of the same name. It's set in the 1950s and it's about this character named Atticus whose dad goes missing and he goes on a road trip through Jim Crow era South uh, or through Jim Crow era America and uh, trying to find his dad and it's full of like Lovecraftian monsters um it's by the the show is by Misha Green who also did Underground and the cast is phenomenal and it's so good I'm a scaredy cat and like I guess each episode is supposed to be kind of like a different type of horror so not all of them are the same kind of scary like I actually didn't find the monsters in the first episode to be scary it was more fun but it's really really good it's really layered um and also I watched the show to watch the show but then also because Pineapple is producing the official companion podcast which is really great and it's hosted by a previous guest complainer Ashley C. Ford and co-hosted by one of the series writers Shannon Houston and the two of them are incredible together and they just like break down everything in the episode from like the horror inspiration to like the the historical and cultural context they are both black women and are talking about the ways that their own experiences are both reflected or how they are reacting and consuming the show the show itself is amazing and i really do think that the companion podcast is like a pretty necessary pretty necessary listen uh, after you watch it so that is what i'm watching and also happen to be listening to wow another plug for something you worked on (laughs) we get it you do podcasts No. (laughs) no there's an amazing team on it but uh but yeah i am watching lovecraft country and it's really really good so far what are you watching I'm still on a, a movie kick, so I've been watching a lot of 90s rom-coms, and I've been Ooh. on, yeah, just just torturing myself by watching, <laughs> <laughs> but I've been on like a Julia Roberts kick, I guess, this past week, and <laughs> most of these movies, I guess I'd seen before, most of these movies, I guess I'd seen before, but I, I just remember watching them when I was younger, and now it's like I can actually appreciate them. So I'm the 
I think the perfect movie is My Best Friend's Wedding. <laughs> I I watched it the other day and it was the first time I'd seen it in a while. And it is so good. Julia Roberts is so amazing in it. Uh, I love that movie so much. Um, there's some weird gay stuff in it, but you know. <laughs> What what nineties movie didn't have weird gay stuff in it? Um, but yeah, all of the Julie Roberts movies, Pretty Women, Notting Hill. I feel like all these movies are movies that I I've like only seen in the background on TV or like flipping through the channels, and like you end up seeing a couple scenes. I don't know if I've seen any of them all the way through. Yeah, I'm trying to make like an intentional effort to sit down and watch like the classics like that. Yeah. The classics, the 90s classic rom-coms. Um, <laughs> also, yeah, the, there were Hugh Grant really had like it was like Hugh Grant and Julia Roberts like dominated 90s cinema. True. And Hugh Grant, it was like, really? <laughs> I mean, I guess. <laughs> I just feel like he plays the same exact person in every fucking movie. And it's just like bashful Englishmen. <laughs> I mean, if it works, it works, you know? I guess. He got he got all of the greats. Julie Roberts, Renee. Anyway, what is your um what is your non-TV chaser? Well, in last week's episode I said that I was going to be in Michigan while the episode was out. So now I I have been to Michigan with my family, and so my chaser is just that week and being reunited with my family. I also realized that like plenty of people have spent much longer periods of time away from their family. Um, and I, I just want to recognize that. <laughs> um, uh, it's a privilege that I get to see my family so often when I don't live in the same city. But it is so nice to be with them and to see my sister. And I got to I got to feel the baby move in her belly. <laughs> and I Ew. cried. <laughs> um and my nephew, who, you know, he's like three and a half and I hadn't seen him in seven months. And so he's so much more talkative and like just wants to play all the time. And he's amazing. And so and being with my parents and everyone, it just was really, really nice. And so that's definitely definitely the chaser for the week is just the amount that I've been able to see my family in the past week. Yeah. Yeah. Family. I love them. My dad really wanted to crash this recording session because I'm in the, his closet right now. But um, <laughs> maybe next week. <laughs> what about you? What's your chaser? I would allow it. Oh, thank you. Mine is bubble baths. I Ooh! might have. I don't know if I've said this before. I've certainly talked about baths before and how I'm generally not a fan just because I feel like my bathtub is never quite clean enough. And when you uh -huh. fill it with water, then you start seeing all of the stuff kind of yeah. float. And with my back as fucked up as it was this week, I was like, you know what? I don't give a shit. <laughs> I don't care if I'm sitting in a literal pile of my own filth. It will feel good. And to be fair, my bathtub is pretty clean um, and it was totally fine. I've done a bubble bath and Epsom salt situation like every night this week. Probably mm. too much. I don't know how much you're supposed to do it. <laughs> um, maybe not every night. Is Maybe every night is not a great idea, but um, I don't care. Also, yesterday I ran out of... I've been doing a combination of like liquid bubble bath to get the bubbles, but then also like Epsom salt. 
Uh-huh. Again, I'm not very afraid that I'm like mixing chemicals that are going to explode. <laughs> but I ran out of the liquid bubble bath. And so I went to the store yesterday and they didn't have any. So all I could find was like this baby soap, <laughs> <laughs> which turns out was absolutely not bubble bath. It was just baby soap. <laughs> but let me tell you, it smelled amazing. And I smelled like a delicious like three month old last night. <laughs> My my real thing is just like I'll take a bath, but then I'll like follow it with a shower just to clean <laughs> off the bath. <laughs> um, I feel like I need to once again say my bathtub is clean, especially <laughs> after the first bath. Anyway, it is very soothing. It's nice. Sometimes I'll like light some candles and, you know, I, at some point I'll probably drop my phone in the in the water and it'll all be over. But um, for the time being, it's very pleasant and nice. I do also have to have a little, I have a portable fan that I have to have aimed at my face or else I'll get too heated. <laughs> so it's a full like, there's a lot of different counteraction. It's a production. Right. It's there's fans, candles, um, uh, towels, soaps, salts, uh, flowing water. The creature from the deep lagoon from that movie where she comes, she's taking a bath and it comes up between her legs. All of that. And that is it for this week's episode. So thank you for listening to Unhappy Hour. You can head to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get podcasts. Hit that subscribe button and then rate us and review us. But only if it's nice. I don't want to hear your shit. Unhappy Hour is a production of Pineapple Street Studios. It's produced by Barry Finkel, Melissa Slaughter, and me, Matt Belisai. Special thanks to Jenna Weiss-Berman and Max Linsky. Our music is by Hans Yelsu. You can bother Barry at Finkelberry Pie. You can worship me at Matt Belisai. And you can follow Unhappy Hour Pod on Twitter for all the latest podcast buzz. And you can leave us a voicemail on our rant hotline with your own rant that we might feature on the show at 601-600-RANT. That's 601-600-7268. And that's it. That's everything. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Uh, Bye-bye. My neck. My back. My pussy. (laughs) My crack. Is that it?